Hello, and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hi, everyone. My name is Caroline. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with Gretchen. Hey, everyone. This is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns. And we are continuing our analysis of Fire and Blood with the chapter J. Harris and Allison, Their Triumphs and Tragedies, Part 3, and the book pages. Oh, no. We, we said them at the end of the last <laughs> one. And then I was, not, I was not prepared to say them now. We are starting uh, at the top of page 253, the first full paragraph beginning with, Not long thereafter, Beleriand became the first Targaryen dragon to be housed in the dragon pit. And we are ending. This is going to be a little bit on the shorter side. Um... Allegedly. We're ending on page 261 with the paragraph that is a whole sentence that begins a few days later, the queen convened her women's court. Yep. Yep. And uh, last time we had a, a, a very deep analysis of stuff that happened with the area. This, it, this section has some interesting stuff, but it's not as, I don't think, theme thematically heavy. Um, nope. So what happens in this section, Gretchen? Uh, well, as we just said, Beleria, all the dragons are moving to the dragon pit. Um, in, in a continuation of Jaehaerys' mo- super normal reaction to everything that happened with Arya and Beleriand, he's like, you know what? Gotta keep those dragons under guard. We're gonna move them all into the dragon pit. I'm gonna create a whole new, like, regiment of guards that are gonna protect the dragons 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Um, even though, like, even though no one but Targaryens can ride dragons, we definitely need to guard the dragons from anyone who's not a Targaryen, um, trying to ride a dragon, you know, for their own safety. For yeah. Their, just purely for their own safety, not Have that they can actually em. succeed. Just, mm-hmm. you know, guard the dragons for no yeah. reason. Don't think about totally it too fine. Yeah, totally fine. It's good. And these dragon keepers, yo, the, okay, you know I love Hot D. Yes. You know I love House of the Dragon. <laughs> House of the Dragon did the dragon keepers fucking dirty. Yes. Because the description of these dragon keepers' oh armor God. is so fucking cool. It's uh, page 253. Um, a new order of guards was created for this purpose, the dragon keepers, 77 strong and clad in suits of gleaming black armor, their helms crested by a row of dragon scales and continued diminishing down their backs. That's so cool. That is so fucking cool. Why did the show give us the fucking airbenders watching them? Like, literally. <laughs> The show's version of the Dragon Keepers are, like, like dudes in, like, loose robes with, like, long sticks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? Why? Please, Please. give me the glimmering ring armor. I want it. I want to see it on my screen. That's, uh, yes. Uh, this is, like, super metal. Uh, I feel like Magor mm-hmm. would be really happy Yo, with the Dragon so Keeper armor. He'd be, mm-hmm. he'd be, he'd be so super down. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like this, I love the Dragon Keepers. They seem super cool. I mean, of course, there are 77 of them because, like, even when Listen. the Targs do Targ symbolism of, like, everything must be dragons, they're like, and also, I mean, I guess it must, the, the faith is there, too. Gotta be 77. Listen, they have a motif. They're sticking with it, okay? <laughs> seven. We, we're going with it. Only seven Dragon Keepers, too few. Mm-hmm. 777 Dragon Keepers, Ooh, too many. Too many. 77? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm surprised they're not into multiples. You yeah. know, like this was 140 dragon keepers because that was a multiple of seven or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if that is a multiple of seven. I'm bad at math. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't email. Please don't email me. I don't know. 
Um, and after that, in in what is both a tragically beautiful and sad scene, um, mm. Reyna finally makes it to King's Landing after her child has died really wah, horrifically. Wah, wah. Um, once yeah. again, she arrives late, um, and yeah. she calls it out, and it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really beautiful what she does with Arya's ashes. Yeah, like... Okay, this is a section where, like, Jaehaerys and Alicent, I'm just like, oh, babies. Oh, sweet babies. You don't, like, okay. You, like, you doing doing pretty good at the ruling thing. Family, you just don't understand how to deal with family. Because no. Jaehaerys is like, why don't we inter area Dragonstone? And, mm-hmm. and Reyna's like, she fucking hated it here. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Um, but she says that she that Arya loved flying, so she takes her ashes up into the air and scatters her ashes on the wind, which is just uh, like, oh, oh. Can you see that as a scene in a show, though? How beautiful. Like, you could have, like, a swelling music and, like, her, like, taking the ashes of her child in her hand and, like, watching them disappear into the, like, I'm, like, tearing up thinking about it. I would be a sobbing mess. I'm, like... It oh would be God. so good. It could like end an episode and like fade out with her like flying off into the sunset. Like just Caroline, oh. you're fucking me up. Oh. <laughs> Give it to me, HBO. Give it to Give me. It make to me, me. Cry. <laughs> yeah, make me oh, ugly cry. This yeah. because I absolutely would. Um, and it's also like you were just mentioning, Jaharis and Alison are trying their best to comfort her. But there's just there's no way for them to relate to her, right? Because they are in their early 20s maybe at this point if uh-huh. they're even, even that old and she just lost one of her children yep and not and she also lost one of her children with whom she had a very complicated relationship mm-hmm. you know uh one thing that i've heard people say about uh grief and death is that it's harder when you had a more complicated relationship with the person than if you had like just a good relationship with them mm-hmm. and because it's like all the things reina would be thinking that she wished she had yeah, you know, I wish I wish I had said, I wish I had done, I wish, you know, all the all the ways in which she actually practically probably could have prevented this. Yep. And yep. all this is all she's left with now. You know, just like yeah, she's got to be thinking like, if I had let her go back to King's Landing, anything, you know, and like whatever that last conversation was that they had together. Mm. You know, did she tell her to get out? Did she yep. tell her, like, well, if you hate it so much, just why don't you leave, like, Alyssa? Yeah. Oh, you know? God. Oh, God. You know, oh. like, was there, like, I could easily see something like that. And just, like, the suffering that she has to go through now, mm-hmm. you know, the, the suffering that has compounded in the trauma she's gone through and then the trauma she's expressed against others, you know. Mm-hmm. Just fabulous. So poor Jaharis and Allison. And I say poor Jaharis and Alison because, like, they're really trying. They mm-hmm. really, they make good recommendations. Jaharis even offers her a seat on the small council, finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, after he's like, do you want to go back to Dragonstone? He's like, yeah, you can still have Dragonstone you if you want. Have, she's like, you can still have Dragonstone. And she's like, She's no. like, absolutely not. I'm not going back there. And then he's like, okay, do you want to seat on the small council? And she's like, LOL, you don't want my council, bro. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, like, Alison is like, do you want to go back to Greenstone? Um, Greenstone is where she was mm-hmm. with Larissa Valarian. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, that that's what she's saying is like, do you want to go back to your girlfriend? And she's like, it's sad for me there too. Okay. Yeah. Like also sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like small council. What I find interesting about the small council thing, and we could talk about this more in the analysis is that Jaharis fight 
finally offers her a seat after her, the heir that was her child is dead. Mm-hmm. He's like, she has oh. no more competing heirs. Yeah. And, and, and Raina's kind of broken. Yeah. And I would imagine that she would not be perceived as a threat now. She's not really a threat to his power anymore. She's a sad, broken lady. She's lost too mm-hmm. much. That like, but I, she's also not a threat because she has no heir. Yeah, she has no heir, yeah. and she couldn't. And she's not in any emotional position to like seriously challenge him for power, especially yeah. because she doesn't like. I mean, I guess Rayella, who's left. Well, Rayella's sworn to the sept. But yeah, she she's can't. sworn to the she sept. Can't. She can't. Um, yeah. So. Yep. Fuck, so yeah, how convenient for Jaharis that yeah. like he's like, oh look how nice I am. You're like, are yeah. you are you being that nice? And um, then Alice Alison <laughs> is uh Alison pulls a a <laughs> Sorry, this is my favorite of all of them. Alison pulls a straight Jane. So my mother's <laughs> name is Jane. My mother thinks everything can be fixed by marriage. And Alison's like you're sad and lonely. What if we found you a new husband? And you could have other kids. And you could have more children. Just like Alison. Alison. She gay. She gay. She gay. She marry a dude and have more kids. Alison's like, but every woman wants to be married and have children. <laughs> I'm married and I love my kids. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking of Corliss Valarion being like, I have a hot wife. I love fucking yeah. my hot wife. Why doesn't well, my I'm... son want to have a hot wife that he can fuck? What's what's wrong with he's got a hot tongue wife? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, the Alison's just like, look, I love my, I love my husband and my kids. What did don't do you want a husband and kids? I love mine. They make me very happy. I think that would make you very happy too, Raina. Just have yeah. a new husband and some new kids. And it's like, dude, if it works for you, that's totally fine. But it's not going to work for everyone. <laughs> this I is have this conversation like... with my mom all the time. I have, I have a relative who uh, is not married. She does have children, but she's, she's not married. And she's very mentally ill. Mm. And I'm um, like, she needs mental health treatment. And my mom's like, what she needs is to dye her hair. Because her hair is gray. So she needs to dye her hair and put on some lipstick mm. and get a boyfriend. And that'll that'll just change everything. And I'm like, it will not change everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, famously, how you fix mental illness is just yeah. to like have a romantic partner. I'm like, clinical depression is not fixable by 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 having a boyfriend. <laughs> hey, hate to say it, hate to say oh, it. Oh, sweet baby, Alison. I just like, yeah. are, were you paying attention, honey? Have you been paying attention to the fact that your sister? I mean, do you remember the fact that her husband was basically like? My wife is gay, so I killed all her girlfriends. And you're like, don't you want a husband? <laughs> Allison, in Allison's defense, my girl's out here playing The Sims with real people. All she's doing this whole time is going, not all she's doing, but one of the primary things she's doing is going around marrying people off. That's and true. I'm like, this is literally what I do when I play The Sims. I make lists of Sims and I, I match them. And I, I just play matchmaker, matchmaker the whole time. And then they breed them. They have children. And then I match those children. And then just go on, so, so on and so forth. That's what she's doing. She's like, well, I don't understand. Why wouldn't you want to be married? Mm-hmm. Marriage fixes everything. It's yeah. Great. I'm 18 and I know everything about the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they do their best, but they fail. Because none of those things mm-hmm. are anything at all close to what Raina wants with her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, she retires to Harrenhal. Um, yeah. Where she spends a lot of time riding her dragon, um, being sad and lonely and kind of ghost-like, just kind of wandering the halls. And uh, apparently, like, 
chilling out with Megor Towers, and we will talk yep. some more about that. About yes, they seem to get along. I have thoughts. And I have so many. Yeah, thoughts. just hanging out with the <laughs> uh, with the sickly heir to the Lord Harrenhal, who was named mm-hmm. after her uncle and you husband know, at that time. Was that time she was married to Megor? Yeah, seems like a recipe for bad things, but apparently they work it out. And Reyna, Reyna finally like reaches her zenith because she becomes known as the scary local witch yes. in the tower. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I just feel like that's a goal. That's yep. just like a that's like a queer goal is to be the, the scary local woods mm-hmm. magic person yep. who's whether you're whether you're like a like a woods witch like Maggie the Frog or you're like a, a Reyna kind of witch or you're just like some kind of sorcerer kind of thing mm-hmm. you know you're you're magic and you're in the woods and you're in the spooky castle like man if i could retire to a spooky castle and be a spooky magic person that would be great yeah yeah reyna's <laughs> retirement is just like honestly vibes like i love vibes. The, i love the vibes <laughs> of her retirement she's like i'm just gonna retire in this like passes the vibe check famously haunted castle that's like half burned down I'm going to live here with, like, five other people, one of whom is, like, a sickly child. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to just hang out here with my dragon until everyone thinks that, like, I'm, like, a ghost or a witch or, like, maybe both. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Love that for yeah. her. And the text does tell us that she passes away when she's 50 <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. in 70-something AC. Yeah, it jumps ahead for a little bit to tell us that she Yeah, does. just to tell us that she does pass away, but she gets to have her little retirement, which mm-hmm. is nice. I'm yeah. glad that she... Got some time. She would have been there for a while if she died when she was 50. Yeah, because it's like she dies in like 73, I think. Um, yeah, she dies in 73 and like the current text is in 57. Yeah, so she got like a long time to chill. She lives there for like 16 years. She's yeah, just wow. hanging out. With, oh, which means that she's 34 when this is all, yeah. when all this is happening. She's 34. She retires at 34. Oh, my God. That's Ugh, younger than me. Can you imagine? I want to retire when I'm 34. <laughs> I have I definitely that. passed that benchmark. Too late for me. Um, you you got to go into the woods, Gretchen. You got to go find a castle mm-hmm. and go into the woods and be a scary woods person. That's what you have to do. Okay. All right. I'll get on That's that. It. Yeah. I'll find, I'll find the nearest haunted tower and uh, yeah. <laughs> make my home there. Um, in the meantime, Alisan has another baby. Woo. She's got another baby boy named Balon. Um, who really looks up to his older sister, Eamon, and they're, like, best pals. And no one except for Alessandre seems to care about Daenerys. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, the text even says Jaehaerys, like, obviously started treating Eamon like his heir. Mm-hmm. And Alessandre's like, um, Daenerys is older, she should be queen. And Jaehaerys is like, she will be queen, sweetie, when she marries Eamon. And he and rules as king. And they rule together. Uh-huh. And everyone else is like, yes, this makes sense. And Allison's like, this this is somehow bothering me, even though my older sister never rules. <laughs> For some reason, this just doesn't feel just. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I don't. I feel like maybe this is wrong, but I can't quite get past the cognitive dissonance of it all. I don't know. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, then uh, Miles Smallwood, he is the current Hand of the King. The one that they did, he did a bunch, that Jaehaerys, like, did a bunch of work to, like, find the perfect Hand of the King. Um, mm-hmm. And he, like, retires a few years later. Um, yeah. He's like, I'm not good at this, but I'm like, we don't have any evidence that you're not good at this, but okay. I mean, we do know that when uh, the monster in Pentos was, like, like killed the, the King's Guard, he was the one who was like, burn them! 
burn them with your dragon. Miles Smallwood seems oh. to be a bit of a demon. Like he likes yeah. to burn with fire a little bit. Maybe I don't know. That's all we know about him, though. Well, Jaharis says, "Okay, you can go home, um, but I'm gonna get my boyfriend Septon Barth back yeah. and make him my hand because they love each other." Mm-hmm. Gets the hand he always wanted. Ta ha ha! He ha, gets ha, the ha. hand he always wanted. Ha ha! Did not get it? It's a. It's like a sex joke. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm twelve. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yep. he calls back Septon Barth. And someone's like, oh, but Septon Barth is lowborn. And Jaharis is like, I don't give a fuck. And you know what? Kudos to Jaharis and Alisan because they are very often not as classist as you would expect. Yep. Yes. He's. They're not not classist, but they're not as classist as Westeros is. They're progressive yeah. for the situation. They could be much more classist. <laughs> they and could they're be not. much more classist. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He goes to, so he goes to Bravos. Um, we will come back to this, that, like, as soon as he is made... <laughs> Jaharis has a bee in his bonnet, you guys. Jaharis mm-hmm. has a bee in his bonnet about these dragon eggs. Yep. Um, so much so that literally as soon as Septon Barth is made his hand, he's like, you're gonna go to Bravos and get my eggs back. That's your yep. that first job. Uh, which makes me wonder <laughs> if Miles Smallwood had refused... Maybe that like this is one that like did, like because Jaharis is so worked up about getting those dragon eggs back yeah. and like you you have a couple of years where nothing happens or like he's prevented from doing stuff by like I'm gonna go get the dragons back on my dragon and Allison's like that's a really bad idea please stay home that like yeah. I wonder if Miles was like dude calm down like don't worry that's about the, the dragon eggs like I if you want like yeah. I don't want to go deal with that shit and like so like as soon but like it just strikes me that like as soon as Septon Barth is instantiated he's like all right go to Bravos and get my eggs <laughs> yeah maybe that is what happened oh I like that uh-huh. we'll get more we'll get more into why Jaharis wants these eggs so bad in, in analysis but yeah he wants his uh, eggs he, wa- he yeah, wants he so wants eggs back so Septon Barth goes to barter for the eggs and it's a what a fantastic section it's so of good the story. oh man oh. I love that scene so much yeah. It's very funny. So basically, Barth is like, give us back our fucking eggs. And Pentoshi's Pentoshi like, whoa, 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 who says I have any eggs? Who says I have any eggs? Can I'm you prove in. I have eggs? You can't prove I have eggs. And if I had them, that means I bought them and you can't prove they were stolen. Right. And if yeah. I were to have purchased these eggs, they're just eggs. How about right. instead of eggs, you like, I, I get the iron bag to forgive your debt. And then I, get to, I... Keep, I get to keep my eggs. What that I may I or may not you? have, and may or may yeah. not have purchased, that may or may not have been stolen. Right. <laughs> what if I bribe you to let me keep my fancy stones? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh? How about that? Um, and it works! And why the Pentoshi so interested in having these eggs? Oh, I have so many questions. But yes, it does work. Um, and, which is awesome, because that frees up a bunch of money for Jaharis to Basically do... forgives, like, at least half of the debt. Half. Mm-hmm. Like half of the Targaryen debt, which like, listen, having debt may be like a super boring part of reading these books, but it's really important how much debt the crown is in. When this you're comes playing, back in A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, when you're playing Civilization, you have to be able to balance your income mm-hmm. because otherwise you cannot pay for things. Yep. And then you start like, it starts taking your units away. You start losing population. It's a whole thing. You yep. have to, your your income 
And everything I know about ruling, I know through playing Civilization Four. Yeah, no, I played a lot of. I play. I played all the way back to Civ Three. I played Civ Three so much. Yeah, Civ Three was my Civ Three was my favorite. I, I love Civ Three. I loved playing yeah. the the mythical history of Midgard mod. That was like the fantasy Ooh. one. So I like played that skin. for That's Civ Four. I played Fall from Heaven for mm. Civ Four. I think we've talked mm. about this before. Yeah, mm. Fall from Heaven. Oh, anyone oh, listening? Fall from Heaven. If you like a game like Civ, Fall from Heaven is a free download. It's this huge mod that was made by um oh I for, oh I forget his name, oh I forget his name. I'm so sorry. He's he's a really nice guy. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I but it too. but it's like all fantasy stuff. It actually has some of Song of Ice and Fire stuff in there. There's Night's Watch. There's um Asha's ship. The Black Wind is a is a character yeah. is a unit. Uh, I always play as the Lanoon and I pretend I'm playing as the the Ironborn. Uh-huh. This, is why I, this is why I know so many Ironborn castles because I name my bases after the the, the Ironborn stuff. Um, nice. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> it's so super fun. Strong recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yep. yeah. Anyway, so. anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, forgiving debt. It's really important. Um, so they get a bunch of debt forgiven, and Jaharis is like, "I'm a build shit because I like doing that. Yeah, um, love a project." So he wants to build the sewers. Um. And one of my favorite things that Alison does in this part of the story, yes. like Septon Barth is like, yeah, but like if you build the sewers, you're just going to be diverting a bunch of sewage into the river. And everyone knows that like Blackwater Bay and the river is already really shit and no one wants to drink it. And like y'all might be y'all rich people might be able to drink beer, but like the plebs out there have to drink mm-hmm. basically sewage water. So like it until like build some water first. You know, like provide clean drinking water first and then yes. build your sewer, like your sewers. And like Jaharis is like not into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so He's Al- like, it's so expensive. Oh, but I want to spend my money somewhere else. Yeah. So Alice, so Alison goes down to the river and, and or, or sends a servant down to the river probably, but basically yeah. serves up a giant mug of like river water to like Jaharis for dinner and is like, do you want to drink this? No, I didn't think so. Find us better mm-hmm. drinking water. Yeah. I just love the idea that Allison herself came in with the jug and like put it on the table and he was like, what is this? And she was like, this is the water that our, our subjects are drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what you're having for dinner. Right. And he was just like, okay, so how are we going to sink these wells? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Dear, tell me again what your plan is yeah. for the, the city's drinking yeah, water. Okay. Fair, okay. Fair. All right. You've made a fair point. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she definitely wasn't ruling. She just she just no. changed his mind. She was busy making marriages. Yep, that's all she did was make um, marriages. So yeah, he decides to build some some water infrastructure, yeah. which is great. Good job. He's improving King's Landing. He's he's continuing to make the Agen Fort like an actual livable place. She Good does time. get credit for the fountains because they're referred yep. to as the Queen's the fountains. Queen's fountains. Yep. Which she deserves. Yep. Exactly. Um, uh. And then they have to separate because they're going to go on progress, but then some, like, fucking politics shit is going down in Essos and they want Jaehaerys to be a mediator because, Yeah, Pentos and Tyrosh, I believe, are yeah, fighting. Yeah, Tyros. Pentos mm-hmm. and Tyrosh are fighting and they want neutral ground. They want someone to play intermediary while they bicker at each other and uh, King Jaehaerys is chosen. Congratulations. Like, this this 20-year-old king seems like a good one. Yeah. Let's, let's go with him. Yeah, let's go let's hang go- out in King's Landing and he can solve our problems for us. Yeah, we can visit these Queen's Fountains. Sounds like a cool place. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so, so she decides to go north by herself. Yep, and Allison begins her, her trek north. Uh, 
and holds a women's court in the north for the first time um which yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah, she heads to White Harbor. Because North mm-hmm. they haven't gone north yet. They've been on a bunch of royal progresses. They've been to the Crown Lands. They've been to the Riverlands. They've been to um, the West. Mm-hmm. Um, the North is kind of the other than Dorne, which, like, everyone seems to forget exists. Um, yeah. <laughs> the North is kind of the place they haven't gone yet. So they are going yeah. on royal progress to the North. Um, yeah. And this section that we're reading ends with Alisand in White Harbor. Yes. With the Manderleaves. Next section, we'll get Alisand in the North. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I love her trip to the north. I have so many thoughts. It's so good. Anyway. So that's what happened. So let's talk about uh, the Maester's biases. Um, um, I mean, the only thing new. that comes out here, like, yeah, the, the section about um, about Danny, about Daenerys being the heir. Like, that's really, you know, the biggest thing. Like, yeah. all of it is stuff that we've, like, covered in passing. You know, Alisanne yeah. doesn't make laws and women can't inherit. Broken record. Yeah, but there's not, I don't think there's a lot of bias going on here. Mm-mm. Maybe some, like, pro Jaharis bias to, mm-hmm. for the text not to question why he's so obsessed with this dragon egg thing. Yeah. But we can get into questioning that in analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what really happened? Uh, so, you have this note about the dragons being kept under guard. So, I actually hadn't thought about this fact. So, what do you think is going on with the dragons being kept under guard? I think it has to do, like... I mean, it's to me, it's really suspicious that this is like, again, as I was joking, this is part of the reaction to what just happened with mm-hmm. Aria and Balerion. And it's like, I mean, if, like, you don't protect something unless you think it could get stolen. Mm-hmm. But why, why would people think they could just steal a dragon? It's really interesting because, so I, I see this... This, for me, so much fell into um, uh, a Doyleist issue where, like, because I've read the text, and we'll get to these things later, and I'm not going to get any specific spoilers, but there are other Targaryens mm-hmm. who attempt to take dragons and run away. Right. And, like, where the world exists now, there aren't any Targaryens that we would, like, expect to do that. Yeah. Like, one of the small children is not going to, like, try to take a dragon and leave with it. You know, Jaehaerys and Alysanne aren't. Reyna's in Heron Hall and she already has a dragon. And Rayella's at the... So there aren't, like, there aren't available Targaryens to do this. I mean, the only one around are, like, the babies. Like, but, right. like, Daenerys is what? Like, six? Right. And it's, like... I mean, I kind of would get it more from a point of view of, like... She was four. So Daenerys was four yeah. when Aemon was born. So she's four years... You don't think your four-year-old and two-year-old are gonna go try and claim a dragon. So that's no. why I was, like... Feeling like Jaharis might be worried that someone might repeat what Arya did, but mm-hmm. that he's not necessarily afraid of other Targaryens do it. He's just afraid of anybody doing it. I think having them in the city, have the concept of anyone going in and touching the dragons and even just getting hurt is also something. There's a practical aspect of like, if you just had a dragon pit and you could, anyone could just walk into it, you know, there were no guards whatsoever. Right. That that would be like a uh, what would we call that in the laws an attractive nuisance. It's yeah, that like it, that yeah. Even that I think part like to me that like part of this is that like Jaharis, I I think what might be happening is that Jaharis isn't convinced that that the myth that only Tars can ride dragons has fully taken root yet. Yeah. That he's I don't con- think he thinks that. I don't think yeah, he that. Yeah, that he's concerned no. that some people might still believe that they could try and ride a dragon. Who are mm-hmm. not Targs, and so it's yeah. like, 
I got to prevent any of that from happening. Because if just, Mm -hmm. if even one person flies off on a dragon, then the whole Targaryen propaganda machine crumbles. Unless you start doing what they do in the dance, which is like, it's a dragon seed. seed. (laughs) Magor probably fucked that person's grandmother because he was famously lusty. Yeah, boom. Descendant of Magor. Yeah, Yeah. I think, the other thing I wonder too is like, when the dragons were on Dragonstone, were there not dragon keepers? Because... I know how messy a horse is. <laughs> a horse is disgustingly messy. Horses require so much care. I mean, you have people that are, are hired at stables specifically to care, to do daily maintenance of horses. Well, they have to. Like, oh man, dragon they shit's got to be for dragon. terrible. Right? I'm There's got to be dragon shit. There's got to be like, like they must shed scales. They must yeah. shed skin. They must have to have their nails trimmed. You mm-hmm. know, like there's like all these things. Their teeth. Like the the oral hygiene of a dragon. Oh my gosh! (laughs) It's hard enough for me to brush my cat's teeth. Okay, I cannot imagine trying to brush a dragon's teeth. Like there's so many things, and I wonder if dragon teeth are the kind of thing where it's like they just like shark teeth. They just continuously grow. Oh, that's so maybe they're just around. That would be kind of cool. Just like rows of dragon teeth. (laughs) Yeah, but that means they're falling out. I mean, like dragons, like there's there's gotta be like like grossness from them because they're living i mean humans are gross too we're all gross mm-hmm. uh sanitation's important so unless dragonstone just smells like a really giant pile of dragon shit there must have been somebody already doing this kind of stuff yeah yeah so uh-huh. i don't know if the dragon keepers as described here are the same dragon keepers we saw on screen in house of the dragon because these are described like protectors like guards yeah i feel like these are less you know? caretakers than guards these are literally just probably people who stand around with with really awesome scary armor to like mm-hmm. keep people from thinking that they could go pet or ride a dragon yeah and how do you hire those people how do you know those people are going to try to pet and ride the dragon i have no idea you know like what's the what's the what's the interview process for that Hypothetically speaking, if it were possible for for a non-targ to ride a dragon, would you try to ride a dragon? Right. Like, I need you to not be afraid of them enough that you can be near them to guard them, but I also need you to be afraid of them enough to not touch. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, on the, on the application, it's like, do you think it's okay to steal from work? <laughs> <laughs> I see you answered sometimes on this application. Can you explain? Oh, man. so anyway yeah i was like this like my whole note was about like this just seems like it yet like yet more really suspicious from behavior from from jaharis about dragons and whether or not they are accessible to people who are not targaryens yeah yeah interesting um, um yeah in terms of what else really happens our girl reina retiring um like i said i i do think that he offered her, that Jaharis offered her the seat on the council now because she has no heir. Mm-hmm. And so she's a lot less threatening. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, like, oh my gosh. Like, just, like, how, like, like, true, to me, like, truly tragic. Not in the, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yes, uh, Alyssa Targaryen, how, how beautiful, how tragic, how, how tragic. sad. Like, yeah. but, like, actually, like, deeply like distressing to me to read just like how like sad she is now like what what this life is for her is like like really like it's 
it's tragic and the like she's literally lost everyone um because like she says like there is nothing there not, she's talking about dragonstone she says there's nothing there for me now but grief and ghosts yeah like that the place that was supposed to be a, a home for her a place for her to be safe and to get away and to finally have people that she loved like the tragedy here is a kind of tragic irony in that like it is this way partly because of her own choices that like she yeah. desperately like she was so desperate to like keep pe the people around her safe from harm because of like because of her own trauma and her own grief and her own struggle with like i can't lose anyone which like we've mm -hmm. been talking about like if i were telling the story <clears throat> that like the tragic irony of that is like in that every decision that she made out of that place directly led to her now being grief stricken and alone mm -hmm. that like i think it's yeah i think it's also tragic because it was kind of not that she didn't have agency in the situations but it's also kind of inevitable as a as an older sister and a queer woman mm -hmm. in this patriarchy for something like this to happen mm -hmm. because it's like not possible yeah maybe not possible is maybe too strong but it's it's so difficult mm -hmm. for her to have had a happy ending yeah in a, in a society that prescribes a certain life for her mm -hmm. right yeah and this is why the patriarchy is bad it's bad to tell people you have two boxes pick mm -hmm. you know I, actually no you don't get to pick you there are two boxes <clears throat> we're telling you which box to go in mm -hmm. and the fact that like these things that happened she's not responsible for the traumas that happened to her no and she can only we can only expect a person who's been so traumatized to act you know, to, to ask somebody who's been so traumatized to be, like, the perfect victim mm -hmm. is it's just unfair. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, the, we under, and we've talked about this, we understand why she's acting this way. We can mm -hmm. see from an outside perspective that that caused more problems. Right. But they don't have, like, cognitive behavioral therapy in Westeros. No. So she can't, like, talk it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's so, it is tragic in that way because it's, like, all the times where it could have been all these tragedies could have been prevented mm -hmm. would have required like the system to be different yes right yeah that like yeah, yeah that the first step back is this tragedy comes is an outcome of the choices that she made it's like well mm -hmm. but like those choices are the outcome of a series of traumas that happened to her and there's only right. there's only there's only so many pathways that you can take after that kind of trauma happens to you Mm -hmm. Well, the step back from that is, well, why did those traumas happen? Those traumas happened because this is a patriarchal feudalist culture that, mm -hmm. like, prescribed her behavior. And so, like, right. I, once again, the, ult the ultimate enemy is the patriarchy. So, like, mm -hmm. the patriarchy did this to her, like, constrained her choices, like, directly traumatized her. And then that trauma constrained her choices such that, like, the responses that she had directly led to her ending her life grief-stricken and alone and like everyone that she cared about stripped away from her and that's just mm -hmm. like deeply distressing and like tragic to read like mm -hmm. it's especially tragic to read it as as a queer person myself yes. and i'm sure you have this experience mm -hmm. to have that representation in this book but then also have this very tragic story occur yeah. uh that said i'm very much a proponent of the fact that i don't like when queer characters are um 
like protected in stories yep. just by virtue of being queer because that's also dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. So I, I ultimately do like Reina's story yeah. and particularly her representation as a queer woman. And the fact that she's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah, are things in here. Yeah, she's messy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's problems. Um, but I do, I do think, I do think it's tragic. However, I, ha- I have a slightly different reading of her retirement. Yeah, um, I want to hear that. Like, um, I think the one one final note I want to say before we want to he- yeah. move on, because I definitely want to hear your theories about that, mm-hmm. was just, like, the note that Jaharis says, like, Reyna died the same day her husband died is, like, <laughs> okay, sure. Like, again. What? <laughs> it's, like, in the same realm as Alison being, like, do you want a new husband and some baby, sweetie? Like, Jaharis is, like, yeah, you know, the day my older brother died, Reyna just lost it. I was like, do, do you not remember the, like, 15 <laughs> years after that where she was, like, a fully formed person? I think that the reason... Oh, do you not remember what literally just happened in the last year? Like, think right, about exactly. the last year, I'm like, year, if you're going to say... If you're going to say she died on the day someone else said, it's the day Aria died. Yes. That's the day when her daughter died. Yes. Which is, like, very a very understandable pretty common story of a parent losing a child and that kind of being like it for them which is totally mm-hmm. fair because it's extraordinarily tragic to lose a child but i just realized i don't know if this is what's meant but there's something actually really insidious in saying mm-hmm. it this way as if everything that happened after Aegon died was just like rain as a crazy lady mm. so her quest yeah. for power all of her girlfriends like that all of that is just like I don't know when when her brother husband died she just lost it like there's something mm-hmm. actually really insidious and dehumanizing that that makes yeah. so that basically makes most of her life out as if like she was out of her mind yeah oh there is and the fact that's like her life ended when his did that uh-huh. concept is yeah. actually a very dangerous concept mm-hmm. that um has has led to the deaths and dis- disempowerment of women throughout real history mm-hmm. that like absent their husband they are worthless yep yeah huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't know if jaharis means it that way but there's a way to read that he's kind of that he's being dismissive of everything that happens after mm-hmm. after Aegon died was just like that was just like a poor tragic grief-stricken woman who was you know was not herself so all of yeah. the all of the mean quote unquote mean things she did, the way that she talked to Rogar, the way, you know, all of the things she mm-hmm. did and said after that are just, you know, well, like she kind of died when her husband did. So like, what do you got to say? She was just so broken by his death. Just like, so broken by Aegon's death that that's what made her what well, that's what she is. And I don't like that at all. But I told, I don't like but that. I kind of believe that, it, that I could see Jaharis maybe not believing it deep down. But wanting that to kind of be like the quote unquote official story mm-hmm. as a way to, again, like continue disempowering women of like, you can dismiss and devout any attempts of women trying to gain power is just like, I don't know, they're like crazy spooky ladies. And to kind of sweep the lesbian thing under the rug. Yep. yep. You mm-hmm. know, be like, oh, she was so, for the rest of her life, grief stricken mm-hmm. by the death of her husband. This is like, here, I'll give you a little bit more of my family lore. This is fun family lore. <laughs> I'm not the first gay person in my family. Um, my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, lost her husband when she was very young. So my mom's dad died when my mom was 17. Mm-hmm. So, like, I never met my grandfather, which is good because he was, like, a neo-Nazi. We didn't want to meet Grandpa Danny. Bad, <laughs> bad person. Um, 
but that means that my my grandmother was single at she would have been 40 mm-hmm. if that even that old at mm-hmm. the time uh she never remarried mm-hmm. and she never had any more boyfriends and as an adult person when i came out the first time she, and my grandmother by the way was a horrible person hard she was horrible racist sexist terrible very nasty woman Mm -hmm. uh dead now very good for the world that she's dead um she when i came out she accepted it like right away no questions Hmm. and at the time i was like 18 when i first came out and i was like oh that's nice whatever i don't care this is this is grandma's horrible i hate her i don't want to see her at christmas uh but later in life i looked back on that and i was like huh Hmm. weird and I I brought it up to my mom once. I was like, do you think grandma was gay? And I was like, oh, no, no, definitely not. She she always had crushes on her doctors and whatever. I'm like, that's when she was, like, really old, which she was, like, she would, like, talk about, like, her doctors being cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, she she was a travel agent back when you had to actually travel to places. Yeah. And she always traveled with her friends. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think this one, I think this one uh-huh. might have been gay. Uh-huh. I think this one might have been gay. And my mom's taken and has always been like, well, she loved Grandpa Danny. She didn't, She never loved yeah. anyone else. Just loved that like, one man so much. I, I don't think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that she lived the next 45 years just in mourning. I don't think that's what, she literally never mentioned him to be. Yeah. I don't think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think Jaharis and Reyna... Yeah. He's like trying to spin that. He's like trying to doctor that and be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, she was just so, you know, so heartbroken. Mm-hmm. She never loved anyone again. Yeah, like never loved. No, again. bro. Nope. She just, yeah. She just loved ladies. Yeah, that was like when yeah. I when I came out to my mom. Um, uh, <laughs> she had a, she she was like, oh, I mean, I I mean I came out as bi at the you mm-hmm. know, and she was like, I I mean. That's pretty normal, right? Like, I remember in, in nursing school having crushes on my teachers. Like, that's that's pretty. And I was like, oh, my God, Mom. You are, like, this close. You are, like, this close to understanding. Like, yeah. I, I I, didn't say it at the time. I wanted to be like, actually, Mom, that's not, like, like that doesn't happen to straight women, actually. No, it doesn't. It straight doesn't. women don't have crushes on their female teachers. If, you, if you're a woman and you have a crush on your female teacher, like, congratulations, you're not a straight woman. Like, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Like, you're just not. Um, welcome to the club. Yeah, welcome. So, so, yeah, my mom came out to me and, like, I had the exact, more like, I came out to my mom and it had the exact opposite effect. Like, what she told me was like, I think that's normal. I did. And I was like, guess what, mom? So you're also coming out to me now, Guess huh? what? You're not straight. <laughs> like, welcome. Huh. You, you know, I'm like you. This is what the patriarchy does. The patriarchy looks at, like, the patriarchy makes someone like your mom think, like, that's normal. Everybody has that. Yeah. And the patriarchy looks at someone like my grandmother and says, oh, she lived 45 out of 85 years single after uh-huh. her husband died. Yeah. And she was just too heartbroken to ever move on. Like So much love for that man. Yeah. That. She just traveled. She traveled to almost every country in Europe with her friends. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What a very, what a straight thing. What a very, very, straight, very straight thing, thing to do. To do. And Reyna had a very straight time on Dragonstone with all of her friends. Yeah, they were, they just literally, they just brunched all the time. They just brunched That's and shit That's what they did. They brunched. I love a good brunch. 
We love a good budget. But my theory regarding okay, so yeah. what's going on. What's going on with Megor so, Towers? I want to know your thoughts. So you mentioned before Megor Towers being a child. I'm not sure he's actually a child at this point. Mm-hmm. Because if he was born during the time Megor was king. Right. We're talking 10 years before this mm-hmm. or so. So he's like... 10 he's like so he's like probably in like his early teens ish like that so he's not like an adult man but so yeah he was born in 44 and Um, this is 56 yeah when she moves there it's 57 so yeah he's like 12 or then she lives there she lives there until 73 and he's there the whole time yeah so by if he was born in what year 44 44 so by 73 how old is he 29 Yes. Did I do that math correctly? Yeah. Look mm-hmm. at me doing yeah, the math. So he never marries or has children. Mm-mm. Because after he dies, Harren Hall goes to the Strongs, which is why in House of the Dragon, the Strongs are the family that has it. Um, I see what I think, you might be getting at here. I, I think my little friend Maker is a little gay. Aww. I think he's a little gay man. And I think Reyna had a gay best friend. And they bonded. We love to see, like, queer solidarity. Yeah, I think that I think Harren Hall was a little queer hub. Mm, you know, I like and, it. And for all we know, Megor had boyfriends <coughs> that nobody cares nobody cares about because he's not part of the royal family, so we're not writing about him. Mm-hmm. And for all we know, she had more girlfriends, and we just don't know about it because she didn't fucking entertain anyone else. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It says they came to forge a friendship of sorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like a small set of servants. It says he lives with like maybe like three or four other people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, it's like a small amount. So yeah, oh yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and it doesn't actually tell us why. I mean, I guess it says it's kind of impoverished, maybe. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, it says Megor Towers was last of his line. Sickly and impoverished as well. In the castle built to house thousands, Towers dwelt alone but for a cook and three elderly men-at-arms. Um, so, yeah. I like I like the idea that they had some queer solidarity in there. And that yeah. like, they just, um, you know, supported each other in their, in their queer... Because he would have been a man that wouldn't have ever been threatening to her. Mm-hmm. Because he was never trying to marry her. Yep. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And she had the experience of being queer in Westeros. Uh-huh. And if he was young and coming into that and, you know, curious about that and wanting to know more things, you know, she could, like, really bestow, like, knowledge on him. And I think she would like to be in that position of someone who's kind of like a caretaker, kind of like a teacher or mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see that being really satisfying for that last 16 or so years of her life. I wonder if it felt like having a having a child that was yeah. close to her like that she had failed like not really failed but like that she had not been able to develop a close bond with her two children for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. that like suddenly living with this 13 year old child who you know i like i love the idea i'm sold i like the idea mm-hmm. that he was queer this like this like queer teen and being like you know let's 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 build a found family. Let's build like build a found family yeah. of our own out here, where like exactly. no one can bother us and we can be who we are. And like you don't have to get married. You don't have to have yeah. children. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, like it's okay. Like like the, all those things the patriarchy wants you to do. Her being the counterweight to that, mm-hmm. and being like, yo, fuck the fucking patriarchy, my bro. Like you don't have to 
do any of these things. Mm-hmm. Be you know, be you, love is love kind of stuff. Yeah. I think I would really like that as an end to her story because it's Yeah. It's not like re- you know, full retribution for everything she's done. It's not like full healing for whatever, but it's a kindness that mm-hmm. she was able to impart on someone else mm-hmm. that only she could. Yeah. Yeah, and I I yes, I'm really compelled by the idea that like after even after she lost everything and this could have further broken her you know Mm -hmm. like like i can see a version where like losing area just like utterly shatters her yeah and she just never recovers Mm -hmm. um but the version of the story that you're telling where like is a like i would view it as a like after everything that she's lost and all of the the poor decisions that she made and painful decisions that she made because of her trauma, she finally gets to have a little piece of what she's always wanted, which is just yeah. to be herself as a queer person and to, like, have a family. But, like, mm-hmm. her own version of a family. Yeah. Her version of, like, someone to care about and who cares about her. Right. Um, but without all of the trappings of, of patriarchy. And she gets to ride Dreamfire. That's one of the other things it says. Like, it says that, like, she, like, you know, rides Dreamfire a bunch. And, like, I just, I'm like, I want, Dreamfire was, like, the being that's been with her all along. Like, yeah. like Dreamfire was what gave her courage when she was mm-hmm. little. And I, there's something to me really beautiful about, like, in, that the end of her story is, like, sad because of what she's lost but like she does she is able to find a tiny little piece of the thing that she had been kind of reaching for her whole life and was never that was either prevented by you know by by her by other people's choices and trauma and patriarchy and her own choices like she finally Mm -hmm. gets a little bit of that in the end there's there is something really beautiful and kind of redemptive about that yeah and i think it also sort of parallels what we talked about previously with allison where, like, Alison suffers a tragedy of uh, her first pregnancy being a miscarriage mm-hmm. and reacts by trying to pay it forward, like, mm-hmm. reacts by trying to, like, care for others. Yeah. And so Raina finds, I guess the best I could describe it is peace. Yeah. That she, she finds peace in that kind of paying it forward sort of type of thing, mm-hmm. that, like, give, giving to someone else, discovering that you know and i'm being honest her she didn't go to heron hall being like i can't wait to meet this gay kid but you know like <laughs> discovering yeah like can you imagine the scene where she like meets him and she's 34 uh-huh. right at the time he's he's 12 or 13 13 she's yeah. she's 20 years older than he is mm-hmm. meeting this kid and just immediately being like that kid's fucking gay like you know her just like knowing mm-hmm. and the process of like helping him talk about it helping him realize that all those things that she wishes she had yeah. when she was that age. And being able to provide that and to provide that safety to him that she was never given. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that being healing and redemptive, you know, as a, as a way to, to deal with trauma and grief. Yeah. I think it would be a really, could be a really beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And then it says he's, he outlives her, though. He survives her. No, she outlives him. Oh, she does? Yep, because it says that. Um, oh, so he died in sixty one, so he oh, okay. he was um, forty four to sixty one. Gosh, my math fifteen <laughs> seventeen. 
Also, he was really young. Yeah, so he only lived there because she moved there in 50, yeah, 57 to 61, four years. She only got four years with him. Oh, yeah. Before he died. Um, but it says that she took his servants into her own household and continued to maintain them until her own death. Oh, my God. Her gay adopted son died, too. God damn it. <laughs> damn it, George. <laughs> and then she took care of all of his people. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, if I was adapting it to screen, she would out, he would outlive her. But um, Yeah, but they're, my, like, my and that, like, to me, again, like, the fact that she takes in his servants after he dies, like, I do think that we, we see it occasionally with Reyna. That, like, there is, like, a kind, compassionate heart in there that gets, like, so damaged by mm -hmm. patriarchy and the fact that she's queer and cannot live that way. That, like, we see it every now and again. I'm, I'm thinking about the moment where, like, she thinks that there's, like, an illness ravaging Dragonstone mm -hmm. and so shuts all the gates and wants to protect everybody. Like, that yeah. there are moments where you get to see that, like, deep down, like, Reyna is, like, a really kind and caring person. She's the one who started the tradition of putting the dragon's eggs in the cradles. Like, oh, yeah. This is the I same think Reyna, person. Uh, yeah, Reyna's an excellent example and probably maybe, like, our Ur example of how the patriarchy can grind you down. Yes. And how the patriarchy is bad. It is bad. In mm -hmm. case you guys haven't gotten that yet. <laughs> Uh, you can't see me, but I'm flailing my hands around. The patriarchy is bad. <laughs> she is. Can confirm. Uh, confirmed. Hands flailing. Uh, and I think she's really important as as that figure when we later get to talk about Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately later when we talk about Danny. Yeah. In, in A Song of Ice Fire. You know, how this toxicity is... Like, like practically how this toxicity happens and how it affects people, you know. Uh, I, but I, I do think, I don't know, I think probably most people, broadly speaking, prefer to be kind. Yeah. I don't think most people like to be cruel. I think cruelty is usually a response to something. Yeah. Fear, jealousy, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I and I think that's the situation with Reyna. She's just been so she's been desperately trying to break out of the constraints mm -hmm. of the system and not only is she constrained by being a woman she has the additional layer of being constrained by being queer mm -hmm. and that just made this extra special hard for her yep yeah yeah and there is something to the fact that like she's only ever really able to live this life basically when she is pretty much cut off from the rest of westeros mm -hmm. and that i mean that fits with what you're saying that like when you are actively within the pressures of the patriarchy, like, it's hard to be your the best possible version of yourself when you are constrained of every side. That, yep. like, you, the, only, the only way out, one way out for anyone who's seen uh, Star Wars and or, um, mm -hmm. is there's one way out. And the only way out is, is, like, if you can't burn the thing down, the only way out is to escape. And yeah. that, like, I think that Reyna has been looking all of her life to try and escape trying to find a way out and that dragonstone was meant to be that as well like a way mm -hmm. out a way for her to like can't i just retire like can't i just like have a home and live here with my girlfriends and like be happy mm -hmm. um and it's not until the end of her you know towards not even the end of her life because she's 34 it's not until after everyone around her that she loves is pretty much gone that mm -hmm. she finds a way out and the way out is harrenhal I and I do think the way out, I think this is why I think that this, this story with Magor is kind of necessary for this character arc. Because if you compare her life on Dragonstone versus her life in Harrenhal, mm -hmm. um, 
Now, when she was on Dragon Throne, she was obviously closer to the court, closer to court life. Mm-hmm. Her daughter was still alive, who was the heir for quite a while. Um, and none of that's true in Harrenhal. But also her focus in the two places is different, mm-hmm. if you include this Magor plot, Magor Towers plot. Yeah. Which is that her focus at Dragonstone was her own pleasure. Mm-hmm. It was, who's here for me? Yeah. You know, Alyssa wants stuff? Fuck that. It's whatever I want. Mm-hmm. My husband wants stuff? Fuck that. It's whatever I want. You know, who knows what the girlfriends wanted? The page doesn't even tell us the things the different girlfriends wanted because right. it was all about Reyna. Mm-hmm. What, my daughter wants to go back to King's Landing? Fuck that. I want her here. Mm-hmm. The Dragonstone was about, like, Reyna was, like, selfish due to her trauma, as we've talked about. Yeah. But everything was about her. She was working towards her own pleasure. Mm-hmm. By the time she hits Hall, I think she's been so traumatized that... There, there isn't a reasonable pleasure she can get. Mm-hmm. She can't, she can't reasonably be like, "I'll go get more girlfriends" because like of the trauma. She can't be like, yeah. "I'll get more kids" because of the trauma. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. things that she focusing on herself is so painful. Yeah, that I would believe that something she would do, kind of like Harris, is find a project, and that project could be this other kid who's here who has mm-hmm. no one. Mm-hmm. I have no one. He has no one. And the sort of the the fact that being kind and paying it forward to him and mentoring him would make her feel good. Mm-hmm. But not because she's doing it selfishly for herself because she's finally doing something. She's doing something for someone else. Yeah, I really like you that. Know? Yeah. I so really I think like that a lot. That's why I like the, the concept of the Magor Towers mm-hmm. as like a found family, like you were saying, because I think it... it finishes off that character arc in a way Mm -hmm. that makes sense like this is the person she should have always been yes but because the patriarchy was trying to take this shit from her she always had to fight to keep the stuff that she wanted Mm -hmm. and she didn't if if it wasn't for the for the patriarchy she wouldn't have had to have fought to have her girlfriends or whatever she could have just had them yeah right Mm -hmm. but so now she no longer has to be she doesn't have to be doing that and protecting herself because she's true she has truly escaped from it and she's escaped by helping someone else yeah right and it and it we're seeing elements of her that we haven't seen since she was a teenager she's like kind of withdrawn Mm -hmm. kind of quiet subdued like loves Mm -hmm. to ride her dragon has very like has a couple of people that she's really close to that like this is what who exactly i love that because because you're Mm -hmm. right this is who reyna should have been all along the patriarchy hadn't intervened this is what reyna would have been all along just like Maybe kind of like a slightly shy introvert who has like an adventurous streak who loves to ride dragons Mm -hmm. um, and is like caring and kind and compassionate and like mom friend, maternal, caretaking. Mm -hmm. Because we saw that streak in her when she was young, that she was caretaking, that she, you know, she was the, like I said, she's the one who thought about putting the dragons in the cradles. Like, yep. She has this side of her that is very caring about the people around her. And, like, she should have been that all along, but but patriarchy got in the way. Fucked her up. And I think if she had been queen, that's what she would have mm-hmm. been like. Right. That's why, like, I think Reyna would have, even given, given what we know of her life now, of how it actually unfolded, I think she would have made an excellent queen because all of that trauma mm-hmm. that led to her, like, that would have happened. If she had been empowered, yep. these things wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Which yep. gets back to the, the disempowerment of women disempowers us all. Yep. Yeah, she, if she had just been allowed to be a, a queer queen, 
who was just mm-hmm. like in charge of Westeros and had, you know, a wife or girlfriends or or whatever. And mm-hmm. if she had just been allowed to be that and do that, um, mm-hmm. a lot of... And if if they wanted a, a Targaryen heir, they could have had Jaehaerys and Allison mm-hmm. have a baby. Go for it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll make that the heir. And Rhaena will rule. And then when she dies, you know, your kid will take over. Or just make Jaehaerys the heir. You know, like right. whatever. Yeah. Whoever's next in line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it would have. She would have been a really excellent queen because I do think she has that compassion and that political savvy and everything like that going on for her. So yeah, yeah, that like in a way that like sometimes kind of reminds me. Like like you said, we'll talk about it when we get to Rhaenyra and Danny, and it and it shows up in Cersei that like there are some female characters in this series that are the monsters that the patriarchy makes them to be. That yes. like if they are monstrous. It is in almost, if not entirely, because the patriarchy has made them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, whether Asha, Gra- Asha Greyjoy, I think, is a great example. Because mm-hmm. Asha has a lot of really good leadership qualities. Yep. But because the Ironborn are even an even more toxically patriarchal patriarchy, mm-hmm. <laughs> she has to do all of these like stupid fucking masculinity things. Yep. Of, like, you know, my suckling babe is this axe. Uh-huh. Like, okay, I get it. How many times are we going to say it? You know? Right there that i mean that's and she's even like aware she's like self-aware of the mm-hmm. fact that that's what's going on yep but there are women who aren't mm-hmm. right you know? yep yeah um all right so i mean we talked a little bit about jaharis nelson's children before um mm-hmm. we can make a few other notes here like uh daenerys sounds a lot like reminds me a lot of Arya and Arya, the like wild child Mm-hmm. she loves she's a horse clearly a horse girl <laughs> you know getting into trouble getting dirty um, i love i just love this description of these kids being wild children when i'm like have you been around a four-year-old right they're all like this yeah you're right there is something really <laughs> funny about when that like when they describe a child as like a handful and the nurses can't keep track of them and you find out they're four years old and i'm like oh you mean a toddler yeah you you just and, mean like a normal toddler yeah, exactly. You know, but it's like, yeah, the way they're describing her is like she gets into stuff and she's dirty and she's right climbing shit and it's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just imagine that if this were a male child, it would be like, oh, he was already a fighter oh, and a warrior, rambunctious and, ramb- and energetic uh-huh. and all this, yeah, all this crap. Absolutely. Yeah, the part of what yeah. makes this kind of exceptional for Daenerys is that it's a little girl who's not just like being demure and quiet and passive and i'm like oh so she hasn't imagine being the first born daughter of a targaryen royal family who's not socialized into patriarchal norms and i mean that's probably what this would look like yep it's just like i imagine that uh alisanne is not would not be super into socializing daenerys to being just like passive and demure and quiet no and I don't know how much you can even socialize a four-year-old to that extent. I mean, you could teach, like, my niece now is, like, almost two, so I'm getting to watch, like, what toddlers are like for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you can teach them things like how to sit at a table, how to, like, use a utensil, like, that kind of stuff. But, like, other than that, you're pretty much just watching them for a few years to make sure they don't die. Yeah. Because you can't really control them. They're they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's that's how they are. That's, mm-hmm. that's, part of, that's part of the development. We all were like that when we were kids. Right. Right, so, she's super into gross yeah. motor skills, and that's, like, super normal. That's a really normal development stage. Just run exactly. around and get into shit. Right, I'm glad she's running around. She should be. That's 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 correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. You had a headcanon here about Balerion, <laughs> and I want you to talk about it. 
So we were talking about Valerian last episode yep. um, and sort of started this discussion. So last time we were talking about the fact that Valerian seems to be just, like, a very good boy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very well behaved. We have no ind- indication that he's ever, like, doing bad shit. Uh, he's never fighting his rider. He's never doing bad shit on his own. He's just, like, chill. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of him... So in this section, we get an additional detail that Balon um, interacted with Valeria. Now, just think size-wise, uh-huh. the difference in these creatures. Like, think about, like, in-house the dragon, Vagar. Uh, Ve- uh, mm-hmm. So Vagar is the biggest girl, but Valerian was bigger than Vagar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So just imagine that and a toddler. Yeah, like a two, three, four-year-old child. Yeah, a child child, a tiny one. Balon approached Valerian and hit him on the nose with a stick. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently where he got the nickname Balon the Brave. <laughs> Which is just so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Oh my but, god, this toddler just like walked up to a dragon and hit it." I mean, and hit it with a stick. <laughs> and Balerion obviously did not eat him or do anything. Balerion just like took it on the nose, quite literally. And <laughs> but I like to think of Balerion as kind of like you know, like the old family dog, yeah. who's like, like the big kind of like I don't know, like an overweight lab or something who has been around kids and has like been around so many people and it's just like there's like a toddler like pulling on his ear mm-hmm. and he just looks at you with those eyes like uh another one yeah okay and it just lays there perfectly still while the baby like pulls his ears and touches its nose and pulls out its paws and sits mm-hmm. on it and plays with its tail and screams you know and the dog's just like I'm being very still right now. Yep. Because yep. <laughs> I am very, I am gentle. I'm the goodest boy. That is Balerion, the Black Dread, in my mind. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it. I'm into it. Yep. Yes. Balerion like is gets, the old family dog. Just this, just, he he's gets just hit like on a the nose. sweet old boy. He gets hit on the nose and he just like looks past the toddler and looks at Jaharis and Allison and he's like, another one. Okay. Yep. How many more of these are you going to have? A lot more, Balerion. I'm sorry. A lot more, yeah. A lot more. He's like, it's cool. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I can barely feel it. I'm a dragon. Yep. So that's my Balerion head canon. I like it. Um, This is the, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about um, how Jaehaerys is like, Danny will be queen when she marries her brother. Mm -hmm. This is like the third time... That we've seen Jaharis and Alisanne disagree about Daenerys. Mm. There's some growing tension in this marriage mm. between how to handle their oldest daughter. I wonder if the question of whether a girl named Daenerys can be queen will ever come up again in this story. Mm-hmm. Right. I wonder if that'll ever be a problem mm-hmm. for a main character of a book that we read. Yes, because uh, we, we note that the king's words did not entirely please the queen. Like I feel like it's like the biggest understatement. But also, I just Allison, sweetie, you are queen because your older sister Reyna could not rule. How are we getting past that? <laughs> where Where are you? Where is this coming from? I. I it, there is some real cognitive dissonance happening. In there Allison's really, argument. truly is. <laughs> or she's like, but it's different with my daughter, though. My daughter should uh. be queen. Pick me, pick me. Um, but yeah, this this was the I was thinking of this when we talked last episode, um, when we talked about how um, Martin uses incest as a way, like the the way that incest is used to disempower women, because mm-hmm. this is a perfect example of like 
using incestuous marriage as a way to disempower female potential female rulers it's like yeah we'll just marry her to her younger brother and then quote unquote she'll be queen it's like no she won't he'll be in charge but like you tell yourself that if it makes you feel better but like it's bullshit mm-hmm. like we all know that like right because like if they weren't being incestuously married if they were being married off outside the house mm-hmm. then Jaharis would have to say like okay i i want Amon to be yes like Amon's the one he would gonna be yep yeah if he yeah. wanted to, if they weren't practicing you're right if they weren't practicing incest like Jaharis would have to explicitly say i am disempowering my oldest daughter i am disinheriting mm-hmm. daenerys and Aemon is going to be king. But right. he can, like, kind of wiggle around and tell himself, like, I, I feel like this is for his own benefit. That he's, like, mm-hmm. telling himself that he's not disinheriting her by mm-hmm. marrying her to her brother and them, you know, quote-unquote, ruling together just as we are. But, like, mm-hmm. you are, dude. Like, just, like, he just can't actually say Danny shouldn't be queen. Yeah. And I think only Eamon can rule. But, like, this is his kind of, like, the way that he has to handle it in order to feel better about the choice that he's disempowering his his own child. I don't even know that it's Jaharis who cares so much about, like, I don't know if he's saying this for himself to feel better. I think he's saying this to placate Alysanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I have a feeling that if Alysanne didn't fight about it, didn't have strong feelings about Danny being the heir, like, he probably would just, like, marry Daenerys off. And Aemon mm-hmm. would be king because, like, all of Westeros would be like, "Yeah, it's the first, it's the first boy with a dick, so he's got to be yeah. in charge." So, like, you need a dick to rule the kingdom. Mm-hmm. We all know that's super important. Um, okay, can we talk about the scene with Septon Barth? Yes, Septon Barth oh. goes to Old Town. <laughs> that would be the name of the episode. Septon Barth goes to Old Town. <laughs> He does. In, in fact, like a, in like that. a, it's always sunny style of like the gang goes yeah. to, it's like Septon Barth goes to Old Town. Yes. <laughs> um, like friends, the, the one where Septon Barth goes to Old Town. Um, this, um, to pick on the, the bad show, which we always love to do around here, this scene is so much better than any spy versus spy scene that we ever got in Game of Thrones. Oh my God, yes. This conversation yes, is. is like oh my God. miles and away smarter than any conversation that we got between like oh. Varys and Littlefinger. Yes. This whole thing is just so good. I love this whole scene so much. Oh, I, I, wa- I wonder how we get the direct quotes. I guess maybe there were scribes and stuff there. Because uh, this is like, like a dialogue scene. Yeah, I wonder if Septon Barth wrote about it. We know that he's quite a prolific writer. He might have written it down. Um, well then i don't know how much i trust it because then he wrote it down and he could have he could have made himself sound a lot smarter then that's true um but yeah so this this was my this was my theory that like jaharis is has been chomping at the bit to try and get the eggs back he's been Mm -hmm. wanting to get these eggs back pretty much ever since they were stolen yeah and could not get anyone to agree with him until he until he hires septon barth and is like go to old town and get my eggs this is my question before we jump into the scene exactly why why is Jaharis so concerned about these eggs? Mm-hmm. Why is he so concerned about it? No one else is. Alisan's not. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, mm-hmm. Alisan's not. Uh, no one else in the small council, obviously, because like some time passes before they even send someone over to Pentos. Right. Like, what is his deal? I think he's really protective of the, the Targ propaganda, like of Targaryen exceptionalism, that like they're closer to gods than men. Like, mm-hmm. 
Do you think he really just like genuinely believes that anyone could ride a dragon and he's really afraid of someone discovering that? Uh, that's my personal tinfoil. If I, if I were okay. if I were writing this, like if I were creating a show based off of this, um, mm-hmm. I would have it be that like he's that he really strongly believes, you know, or has mm-hmm. like a really strong suspicion that anyone could ride a dragon and is and is terrified I- of another base of power. I'll join you in that tinfoil hat. We'll have like a tinfoil umbrella yeah. we can both be under. Because I'll, I'll join you under that tinfoil umbrella. Because I, absent that, the so the surface level reading of it mm-hmm. is he big mad because somebody stole yeah. from them. Yes. And that's just, to me, like not enough for this to keep going. Mm-hmm. Because because these other things happen, like his fucking Kingsguard getting killed, mm-hmm. that he just never fucking answers. He's just like not interested. Mm-hmm. And that's a slight against the throne too. They were tricked and robbed by brigands who got away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just like a, I'm mad about this, I have a slight against the throne kind of thing. Um, I think it needs to be that Jaharis, for whatever reason, is either suspects or I would even I'd push it all the way that he genuinely thinks that other people besides Targaryens could ride dragons that would also support what we were talking about at the beginning him putting guards in front of the dragons of the dragon pit mm-hmm. like if he genuinely thinks like this is something basically anybody could do yeah and as a dragon rider he would know it's not that much magic yeah because he rides his dragon himself so he knows that it's like yeah it's the whip and the, and the saddle yeah. basically uh-huh. right <laughs> yeah yeah and and practice uh-huh. that gets you there that it's not it's not like a magical a blood magic thing yep yeah like i just i can't i don't think there's any other reasonable way to explain his obsession because i yeah. would say this is bordering on if not outright obsession with getting those eggs back that yeah. like if if so i mean on the premise the targs are special only tars can ride dragons cool okay let's let's accept that premise and see where we get like, Targs are special. Only Targs can ride dragons. What happens if the eggs hatch? You got three wild dragons in the world. Yeah. Th- like. whoop de do. whoop de do. Send some of your kids right. over there to get the dragon. Like, they, they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. If those dragons hatch, but but Targs are special, and only Targs can ride dragons, like, th- then, then they're worthless. Mm-hmm. Those dragon eggs hatching are, like, no more valuable to the sea lord than the eggs themselves because right. they can't control those dragons those those dragons would be useless to them mm-hmm. if they can't actually control them so the only way it makes sense that he's like i can't allow you know i can't allow valeria to rise again well the only way that valeria to rise again is if someone else could ride a dragon mm-hmm. is if it's possible to have more dragon lords and how could it be possible to have more dragon lords if tarks are special right I don't know. The only other way I could see it being read is the opposite fashion, which is if Jaharis is not really concerned about the eggs at all, but he and or his council see an opportunity to pretend to care mm. to leverage something out of the Pentoshi. Ah, okay. That what they want. That like old. You would have yeah. to assume that their ultimate goal is to get the debt forgiven, or something. Or something at, yeah, that, that, that they're they, looking for something else, and they're just pretending to care right. about the dragon eggs. Yeah, because he the because I, I I prefer the obsession with the dragon eggs the the first theory we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, because I think it is just more interesting and it gives more character to Jaja Harris that he's like able to recognize that he's not as special mm-hmm. as he says. Right. 
uh, but that the appearance of that is very important mm-hmm. and that goes in line with other aspects of his character that we've seen. Right. But it is also possible that they don't actually care about the dragon eggs because ultimately they don't get the dragon eggs back. Yep. You know, and if, if the obsession was getting them back, would they ever, like, would Jaehaerys ever allow a situation where it was bartered that the dragon eggs could be kept? Mm-hmm. That said... Well, as we as we get to your favorite quote in the in the books about the fact that the the pentoshi's like, look, they're just eggs, they're stones, you know. If they were to like hatch and become say like chickens, then you know you could come and like take the chickens. Yeah. And and Joe Harris is like unhappy about not having the eggs back, but he says, uh, what, if I ever hear, where is it? What's the quote? Yeah. Okay. So I want to read the first one where he says. Um, I mean, anyway, this whole scene is just like the Sea Lord of Bravos being like kind of sarcastic, like shit faced. Like I just imagine this yes. like shit eating grin on his face the whole time. Yeah. While he's talking yeah. to like and like Septon Barth being like, "We need the eggs," and he's like, "If I was in possession of eggs, it was only because I bought them." And Septon's Barth like, "Right, you bought them from a thief." Well, I mean, like, can you prove it? Has the thief been tried in court? Do you have evidence mm-hmm. that it's theft? Who's the rightful owner? Like, and then Septon Barth is like, his grace, his grace can show you proof of dragons. <laughs> and I love this. He was like, the veiled threat. Your, ki- your king is most adroit at that. Mm. Um, there are certain things that we might do to your king as well, however. Shall I enumerate or do you prefer the threat veiled? <laughs> just being such a motherfucker. And I love it. I like the, love him. The guts of this guy to just like. You know, yep. the hand of the king is coming and is basically like, we can burn your city down. And he's like, eh, can you prove? He's like, I, I could fight hire faceless assassins uh-huh. to kill to kill a few select people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, you could burn my city. Shit. You could ravage everything. But, but you know, there's this, we have this guild, you know, there's this, yeah. there's this, you know, and they're very skilled. And uh, mm-hmm. I might not be able to burn your city down, but I could kill a few really important people. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wanted to, um, and then like it ends, so we're getting to the point where he says like I do not have these eggs, of course. You cannot prove elsewise. If I did have them, however, hypothetically speaking, until mm. they hatch, they are but stones. Would your king begrudge me three pretty stones? No, if I had three chickens, I might understand his concern. So instead of stones, let me offer you gold. And then they then they barter and they, you know, he gets mm-hmm. the you know the thing back. And then my favorite thing, um, Jaharis goes, the sea lord had best hope that they remain stones. If I should hear so much as a whisper of chickens, his palace will be the first to burn. <laughs> oh man. Whisper yes. of chickens. So I think that that it could be either way. I think it could be like like, Jaehaerys' response, if he's obsessed with these eggs and he wants them back because he suspects or knows that Targaryens are not the only people that can ride dragons. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't get the eggs back, but he gets, like, half the debt, you know, forgiven. And he doesn't really have any other choice. He doesn't have any other options. Right. You know? Him saying, like, all right, well, he can keep the stones, but, like, if there's any fucking dragons, I'm going to go over there and fuck shit up. Right. That's, like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the response is... Uh, I guess this response makes less sense if if what they the gold wanted was, really was to go yeah gold. if the gold was what they wanted in the first place yeah yeah so I, I could see it being interpreted either way I mm-hmm. prefer the obsession yeah version yep um, I love but the yeah the sea lord called his bluff 
I like that's yeah. just like you rarely ever see someone stand up when a Targaryen's like, "Hey, I got dragons." Like you so mm-hmm. rarely get anyone be like, "Cool, you do." And like, sure, you could do a lot of damage with those, but you know, like uh, I happen to know a guy um who's got, <laughs> you know, I happen to know some people and they're real good at murder. Um yep. and I could so, I could do some murder back. Let me ask this question. If the sea lord didn't expect to get chickens from these eggs, mm-hmm. why does he want these eggs so bad? I think he, he w- paid double for these eggs. He paid Alyssa and he paid the Iron Throne for these eggs. I think he does expect to get chickens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he expects and hope is hoping that eventually they will figure out how to get chickens out of those out of those eggs. Mm. And of course, dear listeners, what we mean by chickens is dragons. Yes. <laughs> um, Our very veiled metaphor. Yeah, that like in 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 the version where that that we both prefer where Jaharis Jaharis knows or at least really strongly suspects that other people could ride dragons in that mm-hmm. version it also makes sense that the sea lord believes the same thing that they both that they both kind of know what's really happening here that they're both mm-hmm. really aware that like Jaharis is like I don't want you to have access to dragons and the sea lord's like yeah. I hear you I currently don't Mm-hmm. So we got nothing, but that in the back yep. of his mind, he's going. I mean, but we, you know, that I both, you know, we, you know, that I know, and I know, you know, like we both know yeah. that ultimately, what I want out of this is dragons. I don't mm-hmm. have them yet, so like, don't worry about it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jaharis's response is like, if I hear so much as a whisper of them hatching, I will pounce mm-hmm. on it, because I think that both of them expect that they will hatch and that is what jaharis is afraid of and it's what the sea lord wants but he can't i wonder if jaharis i wonder if jaharis thinks they'll hatch though because we've never had a dragon hatch away from dragonstone so far until yeah so far in the the story yeah until daenerys yeah until daenerys and i also wonder if the if the hatching with daenerys is like i mean that is kind of magic i mean her like going to the fire and not burning is obviously magic um, but I wonder if their hatching is magic or if it's just that, like, the fire was hot enough and big enough. You know, I don't know what the Sea Lord tried mm-hmm. to get them to hatch. Right. You know? Right. Um, or if it requires, you know, is there, is it magic? Is there some link between the Targaryens and the dragons where it's like, there needs to be a Targ nearby to do this? Because, mm-hmm. I don't know. But we also know, know that they're, like, after the dance that, like, just, but dragons don't hatch for a while. That's true. And not a, not every dragon egg that's put into like a targ cradle hatches, like it. Yeah. It's, like there's still a lot. I think Martin has still left a lot of mystery around like why a dragon egg hatches and mm-hmm. what is necessary for them to hatch. But one thing we do know is that they do require heat. <laughs> like mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> that much we know. But like how much and what kind and does it have to be special? Does there have to be a targ there? Like we don't know. Like mm-hmm. but it does require heat. Um and mm-hmm. like Bravos is not really a good place for that like bravos is like a swamp well isn't there there's a theory that the faceless men have have a dragon egg right now Mm -hmm. because of euron yeah because euron greyjoy describes that he had a dragon egg in in like his roth he threw it into the sea Uh but euron greyjoy also definitely hired a faceless man to kill balon greyjoy yeah uh and that's like almost explicitly on page. Uh-huh. So the theory, the theory is that really he traded a drag, he like got a dragon egg from somewhere in the east, uh-huh. and 
traded it to the faceless men. Oh. Euron says he's been to Valeria, doesn't he? That's where he gets the dragon binder horn. That's what he says. That's what he says. But but yeah. from what we talked about last episode, the theory that like there may be people still living in Valeria and or mm. dragons still living in Valeria. What mm. if there are and that's who like that's where he got the dragon binder horn from and potentially And no an one egg. else would be able no one else would be able to say anything cuz they're all mutes cuz he took out everybody's yeah. tongue. Yeah, they can't say anything. They can't talk. Mm. Um but like under that Maybe. theory that like he he discovered the secret that has been kind of been trying to hide all along which is that like Valeria is not just a smoking ruin that there are like right. things there that you can find and that they are related mm-hmm. to dragons um uh and like there are some really you know I I mean I think that a non-Targaryen is going to ride a dragon and I think that it Euron is going to control a dragon for a while at least I mm-hmm. you know I like he blows the horn he blows a dragon binder horn and nothing immediately happens, but some things happen around it that, like, I do yeah. think that Euron is eventually going to control a dragon. Um, so I don't think that only because I don't want it to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could see that happening. Right. I, but Euron, the Euron for me, as a, just like a side tangent to this, is a, is a big question mark for me because it's so many ways it could go like the dragon binder horn could be 100% effective uh-huh. and that could work for the story or it could be 100% bullshit and that could work for the story yep yep you know like both both things work so like Euron could have been like legitimately been to Valyria and know these things or he could be totally a bullshit artist mm-hmm. both things work you know so it just depends on I'm not George R. R. Martin, so I can't make those decisions. <gasps> There's a cat on screen. Yeah, Anna Hi. has come to visit. Oh, this is Anna of the Cattery. Mm-hmm. Yes. <gasps> Say hi. Show me your face. Hi. Oh my goodness. I want to get cats next year. Um. Oh, but yeah, I was thinking like totally random thought, and when we came back to it, I think that if if Yaron does get a dragon, um, it he will be the one to burn Old Town. If Old Town burns, oh. I think that Yaron would want to burn Old Town. Yeah, I think Old Town's coming down. I think mm-hmm. I've I've been convinced. You've convinced me that Old Town is coming yeah. down at some point. Yeah, and I I it's think kind of... Euron's going to be involved. That's where he's headed right now. Euron's headed to Old Town. Yeah, exactly. He's um, in that area. And it and it would fit with some of the imagery we talked about last episode about like the the usurping king burning burning the trees. Mm-hmm. Old Town is a center of knowledge, um, especially yep. the oh, tower. It's where all yes. the maesters are. That like. He's coming and burning the tree that Euron and Euron mm-hmm. has a lot of other symbolism that aligns with like he fits that mold of like the dark king figure who's like invading mm-hmm. and you know he he you know there's a pregnant woman on the front of his ship that he's done some gross horrible things to you know like he like mm-hmm. there are things that line him up with that and so him being the one to burn old town would like totally fit with that symbolism so yes um full full indoors anyway anyway um, back to this book <laughs> back to uh back to this uh we talked about the new building project so let's talk about the north let's talk about the prog the progress oh i'm excited for the pro we didn't get too much about it here mm-hmm. um i do i i'm a i do like the north as an area like geographically i think it's interesting mm-hmm. so i'm excited for us to be getting up to the north um but basically you know they separate again. This time, Allison is going along on, mm-hmm. on her own. Jaharis has gone on his own. Progress is on her own. On his own, um, and 
I mean, she is kind of leaving her kids behind, which, mm-hmm. like, one of them is real tiny. But... <laughs> one of them is, like, an right. infant. <laughs> one of them's like, an infant. Uh, but she spends a lot of time doing this marriage stuff. Like I was saying earlier, she plays The Sims with real people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really important. It's so, so really important. Mm-hmm. Because just thinking about it, like, in the immediate effect and the generational effect yeah. of... The immediate effect of knitting these families together mm-hmm. and making them stronger... And then the generational effect of these pa- these parents are going to get married, knowing that they were they were matched by Queen Allison. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to tell their kids about how the queen mm-hmm. brought th- with the one that brought them together, and then the kids are always going to know that like the queen cared enough about them and like their futures to like get involved. At like it's such just such good politics Mm -hmm. like chef's kiss thank you allison yeah and the added layer of like we see this in right in a song of ice and fire right with with all of the marriages that happen right before robert's rebellion all of those marriages were about binding the lordly houses together so that they would be Mm -hmm. united when they fought against um uh mad queen mad king Ares. like that Mm -hmm. that was the point of like all the fostering that happened and Ned marrying Catelyn and, you know, and the land, mm-hmm. like all of the marriages and the, and the fostering that was happening amongst like the big lordly houses that rarely mm-hmm. ever happens in Westeros. Right. Um, and so we see that like marriages, like marriages that happen between houses that don't normally marry each other are usually about binding, like creating unity. Mm-hmm. It's about consolidating, like, and believing that they're unified so a part of what Allison is doing, like you're saying, like it's it's gonna like in the family, it's gonna create this like oh well the queen was involved, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very good targeting propaganda, but po- like politically, politically, yes, it, like it, also what they're doing is they're they're creating a sense that the seven kingdoms are one by like rather mm-hmm. than just lords marrying their bannermen, which creates mm-hmm. like isolated kingdoms of like because you you only have like pockets of people who marry each other, marrying mm-hmm. across like kingdom lines, like having someone from the north marry someone from the crown lands or the Stormlands, you know like all of those kinds of things like mm-hmm. is a way to build solidarity that like the seven kingdoms are one kingdom that this is one yes. kingdom united under targaryen monarchy like mm-hmm. and that's a part of what alisanne is doing and so like you know the way that gildane's just like oh yeah 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 she's like making marriages is like she's doing politics mm-hmm. <laughs> sir like this is really important political work that she's doing here. It's like that stuff Rainey's used to do with like the feasts and the frolics, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, looking, you know, it's fine. The women's. They just you know. love people getting married. They just like a good wedding. Uh-huh. They just want a good wedding. That's it. Oh man, the patriarchy. Right. Um, but also like creates like um I always think it's interesting how like there's this like undertone of menace whenever the targaryens are like oh yeah we'll take some of your kids and have them hang out with us Mm -hmm. because it's like oh those are like really gentle hostages is what they are she because she takes like three of his daughters right Uh manjali's daughters yeah it says his his eldest daughter and three nieces meanwhile had been added to the queen's own party with the understanding that they would travel south with her and there be pledged to suitable lords and knights of the king's court but like also those kids are kind of hostages because it's like if you want to fight like don't rebel because i got some of your kids yep yep thanks for your kids sounds great you'll never see them again yeah it's like daenerys (laughs) and slaver's bay when she has all of the hostages of all, like, and she doesn't like it. She does the same thing. She's like, well, I don't want to be mean to them. I want to be nice to them because they're kids. And, like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're not a, like, but they're still hostages. She's treating them really nicely, but they're mm-hmm. still technically hostages. And like, I just think of that whenever. I mean, this is part of the whole like monarchy is bad and like <laughs> the consolidation of power is violence to everyone. But like whenever you mm-hmm. see a lord sending their child to court to like foster or be a cup bearer or whatever, just like in the back of your mind, be going, that's a hostage. Yep. Because they are. That's a hostage. It is. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, Allison also is holding women's courts. Mm-hmm. Um we don't get very much about this one, but she holds a women's court, which is cool. Good for her. Uh, she also you know. sets up attorney between a Jonquil Dark and a Wildling Spear. Wildling I was going to say, can we talk about this Wildling? <laughs> so it's on page 261. It says, one of the fighters, though no knight, was revealed to be a woman, a Wildling girl who had been captured by rangers north of the wall and given to one of Lord Manorley's household knights to foster. Hostage. Well, hold on, but explain that to me. A, a revealed to be a wildling girl who had been captured by rangers north of the wall and given to one of Lord Manderley's household knights to foster. What? Yeah, it's weird. That the only way I can think of that is that, like, we don't know enough of what's happening at the north right now, north right now but if there are wildling incursions um in the north some ran some random girl some random wildling girl they might have thought they might have thought that like this is how we do things in westeros so maybe the wildlings will just like care that we have one of their (laughs) i don't know otherwise i don't actually know how to understand this this is where the manderleys are the manderleys are in white harbor right Mm -hmm. so they're north of the neck okay i'm just looking at the yep Okay, White Harbor is pretty fucking far yeah, from the wall. It's super weird. So to send someone there to be fostered from the wall, who's a wildling girl captured north of the wall. She's captured south of the wall, and we got to do something with her. Mm-hmm. North of the wall. Yeah, and they took her all what? the way down. All the way down to White Harbor. What is going on? Like, we do not have enough in the text to know. No. But, like, something's going on. Like, this has got to be, like, the natural daughter of somebody. Yeah. Like, this has got to be, like, a black brother had a relationship with a wildling woman, and uh-huh. this is, like, his kid. Or, or one there's the, got to be something. One of the, we know that a bunch of, like, Kingsguard knights and some of the lords who had been loyal to Magor were sent to the wall. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them. Like, maybe it's a natural daughter of, like, some lord who yeah. was sent to the wall who had rebelled against... Yeah. Um, yeah. rebelled against Magor, so they couldn't, you know? I like I like that idea. Yeah. That there's got to be some connection, because you can't just, like, what? They just, like, tripped upon a, a wildling girl and said, instead of killing her, which is what we do to all the wildlings, <laughs> this one we're going to take. <laughs> right. And not just take and, like, make her a servant. We're going to give her to one of Lord Mannerly... Like, we're going to, like... Have her be fostered. One of Lord Manderley's household knights. To, yeah, she's going to be fostered. Yeah. By a knight of Lord Manderley's household. Yeah, that mm-hmm. seems like you don't just do that when you like trip over a wildling girl in the woods. Yeah. She's got to be someone. Yeah. I'm so interested in that. See, this is the kind of thing where like if it was a screen adaptation, mm-hmm. um, all of Alisanne's journey to the north, I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that would be a ripe area to create some kind of, some kind of plot. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, you're right, though. That's suspicious. That's what we call suspicious. 
Yeah. Um, like, a, what a random thing to throw in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or or they're lying about her being a wildling and really she's, like, maybe she's, you know, really into fighting because she's a girl who's not conventionally feminine. Mm-hmm. And instead of someone saying, like, that's my bastard daughter or whatever, they're like, this is a wildling we caught somewhere. Yeah. Look at how, look at how crazy she is. You know, like, maybe somebody's, like, ashamed of her we all know what the wildlings are like am i right they sure yeah. love fighting yeah this is fine for a wildling but not for a lord's bastard you know uh-huh. could be something like that there's so many there's so many ways you could go with this right and i i love that it's just like mm-hmm. right yeah because yeah because there's also the possibility that like um this is a bastard child where there was rape involved mm-hmm. yep or like someone did something terrible to a you know like a high-born woman and they're like uh someone needs to take care of this baby but we're gonna make Mm -hmm. up a story that doesn't involve rape and or just conceptual sex between people who weren't married like that's let's be real here westeros is also not fond of women having sex when they're not married so this could equally be that like it could be like whether consensual or not a woman had sex when she wasn't married and they're like, we got to put the baby somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, so no one knows. This one. This is definitely a wildling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell because she likes to fight with spears. Yeah, exactly. She's tough. Therefore, therefore wildling, not a Westerosi wildling. girl. Cool. We don't can't be Westerosi. Our Westerosi girls don't do that. Nope. So yeah, I, I thought that was a great, uh, a great thing. And I, 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 I don't know what Allison is doing, but it struck me that like, she was like that like again if i were making this adaptation a part of what alisanne is doing by having this fight between jonquil dark and the wildling girl is to be like women can fight and be badass too and to give the wildling girl credence i yeah. mean the fact is jonquil dark is the queen's the scarlet shadow at this yep. point yep she's the queen's personal guard mm-hmm. so pitting them against each other is like acknowledging yeah. the the warrior prowess of this wildling girl mm-hmm. you know so and that they can be entertaining. It's it's like being like, look, watch women's basketball. It's just like men's basketball. Yeah, right. It's just as entertaining. Uh-huh. Like you can like she's like, look, women women fighting just as entertaining as men fighting. Mm-hmm. Right, because it says that they like roar. It says like hundreds like roared their approval. And it's like, see, you like yeah. this. You are entertained by this. Yes. Look, you like women's soccer. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to have dicks to play sports. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Yep. In this she has her women's section. court, and it's it's very well attended. It says more than mm-hmm. two hundred women and girls. Um, I feel like word has gotten around that the the women's courts are great things. So by the time she gets to to White Harbor, like I also think women in the north tend to have more agency than women in the south mm-hmm. because of just like the harshness of the environment yeah. and the need to rely on everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. You know, you can't quite have as strong of bifurcated gender roles when winter could kill everybody equally so (laughs) right exactly you know it's like you're gonna be knitting socks everyone's gonna be knitting socks Mm -hmm. caroline everyone knows that knitting is women's work and is not at all important (laughs) oh remember the bad (laughs) show i wish i could forget i need i need to make a t-shirt that says remember the bad show You could have on the front could say like um, the North remembers and the back would say the bad show. <laughs> oh, the North does remember the bad show. Remember that time that Ari- Game of Thrones and Arya Stark kills Walder Frey and instead of saying 
the North remembers. She's just like, I'm Arya Stark, and she stabs him. I'm like, you literally, it was the easiest thing. It was the easiest thing for her to say the North remembers. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yep. David, Dan, go to jail. <laughs> do not pass go. Just, do not collect $200. Do not collect $200. Go directly to jail. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, we've already talked about a lot of the connections with the Song of Ice and Fire. They've kind of cropped up naturally. The one that I forgot about earlier that didn't come up is, um, is about the Iron Bank. That this is another one mm. of those sections where I think, like, yeah, sure, like, debt is not fun. It's boring. But, like, mm-hmm. ignore the Iron Bank at your peril. Yeah. Like, yep. this is how you should treat with the Iron Bank. You should not do what Cersei does. Nope. Whether it is show Cersei or book Cersei. Like, both of them are <laughs> equally, like, bad decisions. But, like, Cersei is basically just, like, well, fuck debt. I don't care. I don't care about yeah, the Iron Bank. It's fine. It's fine. We don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. they're just what is they're just they're just like money nerds. I don't have to worry about the bank. And it's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. you do. You do have to worry about the bank. You know what is attached to the bank? The Assassin's Guild. Ugh. You probably want to keep the bank happy. That like it's, it's like some kind of weird metaphor for loan sharks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you don't pay your debts, the bank will send an assassin after you. But they do really. <laughs> but but like literally. But these ones literally. These yeah. ones literally. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, like it was just another good reminder. Of, like I was reading that in the back of my mind, going like, "Oh, Cersei could learn a thing or two about negotiating with the Iron Bank from this section." It is. It is kind of weird that that Westeros, like King's Landing, does not have its own bank. Does don't they try and have their own bank at one point? I don't. Do they? I don't remember if it's. I thought it was men- maybe it was mentioned in the text. But I was just thinking about it now. I feel like we've talked about this, but they have their like the like they have their own coffers. Like the king yeah. has like. But they don't have, like, a bank that, like, the Westerosi can deal with. Yeah. Which, I'm like, that's weird. Because, like, if I had, like, a lot of lords. Like, if, like, the fucking Starks wanted to build, like, more on their castle and they needed money. I'd rather them borrow from me the crown than the Iron Bank. Mm -hmm. But they can't. No. That, like, that's strange. Yeah. Yeah, they've kind of outsourced all of their banking. I think that's more of a, a, a bug of yeah just how this ended up being written i think mm-hmm. george can only think of so many things i'd rather him think about themes than banks yep so um, that's okay yeah the only the only theme or symbolism that i was thinking of in this section is um it came up thinking about Magor towers um mm. about the 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 sickly or bro i'm gonna call it like the sickly or broken child heir there's mm-hmm. like a thing that that happens um where um after a great tragedy like a civil war or a big battle or something that like the child that inherits is like broken in some way whether that be physically or they're sickly you know like Megor Towers is described as sickly or they're like moody Mm. that there's there's something kind of like sad and tragic about this child that inherits after all of the mess that's like physically manifesting. Yes. Yeah, that can yeah. yeah, that is often physically manifested. So I was thinking of Magor Towers as this like mm-hmm. um he's not like the heir to Westeros, but like after everything that happened with Magor the Cruel, um like kind of the last you know, we see this kind of like sickly broken child living with living with Reyna. So I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um but also like I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but like Aegon the Third after the dance, mm-hmm. you have this very sad boy, um, mm-hmm. who's like not uh, not physically broken, but emotionally, he's just like sad and tragic and doomed. 
Yeah. Um, and psychologically broken. Psychologically broken. Uh, Robin Aaron, after Robert. Robin yep, Aaron. after Robert's rebellion, um, and probably in the book it happened on the bad show and they have confirmed that's the one thing that they heard from martin bran bran stark being king mm. bran the broken that like they didn't they didn't confirm bran being king was from uh martin yeah yeah they did though they can they confirmed hodor was from martin i don't think they were confirmed bran being king was from martin yeah yeah they did I still don't believe it. Um, I don't want it. I don't want it to be true. <laughs> I I also believe it because I I think that Martin has borrowed some from Dune. Oh, back to Dune. Back to Dune. Yeah, we talked to <laughs> listeners. I don't know if you've yeah. heard this part, but we were talking about Dune yeah. earlier. But like I think that Martin has borrowed from Dune. And I mm-hmm. think that this trope of like the 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 kind of like sickly child um is is Leto the second inheriting mm. after um after um paul has yeah after paul has done his jihad and like broken the galaxy you have this like listen sometimes you gotta break the galaxy to put it back together right okay listen yeah sometimes you need thousands of years of suffering in order to convince people to not be assholes to each other yeah that's what you need that that's definitely have have you have you tried being a worm you know (laughs) have you tried have you tried becoming a worm and becoming god emperor and like basically teaching human beings not to be violent assholes by subjecting them to millennia of suffering if you haven't done it then you can't say that it doesn't work exactly (laughs) (laughs) um but like i i think that martin is borrowing from and there's a lot of other parallels that i could talk at at length Mm -hmm. my i've talked with my girlfriend about this she loves dune Mm -hmm. um but like that 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 child fits the like Leto the second who's not like sickly but like he's not like you know but he's like a child of tragedy he's a child of war yeah. like who also has I, a I kind of that's... mystical power yeah I, I mean I like that trope I think it's also I don't know if it's a trope exactly so much as a, a pattern or whatever however you want to say mm-hmm. it I, I think it's very realistic mm-hmm. in that when you're born into chaos like like violent chaos like a war or in the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. um yeah, I it makes sense. I mean, the f- physical ailments are different because that's like just kind of luck of the draw. And there are plenty of and there are people in these stories that are have physical ailments that have nothing to do with, you know, being, you know, being born into tragedy or whatever. But it's really, I think, more the the emotional and psychological aspects mm. um, that makes sense. And I think in a piece of literature that is useful to teach the audience that like the suffering was not worth it. Yep. You know, like one thing we'll get to when we talk about the Dance of the Dragons, one thing that's already been uh, covered in House of the Dragon Season 1 is that the usurpers, uh, the Greens, offered the Blacks peace in a way that Rhaenyra would have had to give up her claim, mm-hmm. but everybody would have lived. And at the time, we talked about it on, on a Bash Book Snobbery, and I said, and I stand by this, like, those were good terms because that was a term that allowed for the passage of the of control of power without any death Mm -hmm. and with like appropriate positions for everybody there wasn't any like exile there wasn't any but you have to turn this person over and we kill them you know anything like that there was like it it was a real way out of that conflict and i think a big question at the end of the dance both for the show and the books when we get there will be was it worth it yeah yeah and like the, the the point that i i don't i can't remember if i talked about this at that time but like part of what goes into 
talking about is it worth it is like also what are you trying to break like what are you fighting for Mm -hmm. like sure those like i agree with you they're really good terms like they're the like best terms that rhaenyra could ask for that didn't cater to what she wanted right um but it would have meant not just relinquishing her own claim but instantiating male preference primogeniture like right. what she would have given exactly. up is not just and this is what i think that often gets forgotten in in conversations in the fandom about the dance is like if rhaenyra had capitulated she's not just giving up her claim to the throne it's not just about that mm-hmm. it is also about that would have been a win not for not just for Aegon the second but for the patriarchy it would have been a woman yep. saying yeah you're right I shouldn't be in charge. Mm-hmm. You were right all along. I'm a lady. I can't rule. So, um, you know, you're right. Yep. Patriarchy wins. And, like, that's what makes – I mean, and I, we're going to talk about this when we get there, but that's what makes that question so tricky is, like, yep. well, and then what's, the worth, outcome. what's worth fighting for? And, like, can you know – if you knew the outcome before you started, it's really easy to make the cho- make a different choice. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know, if you don't know it's that you're so going to lose – then mm-hmm. what you're fighting for is fighting for female inheritance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not just for your own, but also, like, the principle of, like, right, women and, you know, not wanting to give in to the disempowerment of them. Mm-hmm. I think it's, and I think it's a great question for media to, to grapple with is, is the fight worth it when it's almost certainly futile? Mm-hmm. You know, right. like, what are you, what are you gaining from the fight itself is it better to just more or less suck it up and deal with take the loss mm-hmm. because you ultimately don't lose as much as you would have this is a, a conversation i have a lot with my clients when it comes to criminal law and resolving their cases mm-hmm. <laughs> because people get charged with stuff they didn't do alongside stuff they did do and when you have to decide whether or not you're going to take a case to trial you're taking everything to trial that whole case mm-hmm. so you know like if you if you killed somebody but it was an accident okay so you committed a manslaughter but you're charged with first degree murder you know is it you know you feel it was an accident you you don't want to plead guilty because you feel it was an accident and there's evidence it was an accident okay well if we take it to a jury they could not believe you mm-hmm. and find you guilty of first degree murder and then you're in prison for the rest of your life right. is that risk worth the reward of you standing on principle that this was an accident or can you suck it up and take a plea deal and get a lot less time in custody but that you would have you would get some kind of time anyway from it being a manslaughter somebody's dead you know can you take that ego hit mm-hmm. to get the benefit or is the fight always worth it right right you know, and whether it's really interesting yeah and whether or not that's different when we're talking about fighting against oppressive systems like mm-hmm. um if if everyone throughout history just said, well, the system's too strong and I can't, I can't beat it, so I should mm-hmm. just accept the best terms that it offers me, well, then we wouldn't have revolution, would we? Right, like exactly. At some have any change. point, someone mm-hmm. has to believe that it's worth the risk of fighting the system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the status quo would always be maintained. And, like, when do you do that? Like, yeah, like, when do you do that and how and, like, how often we judge whether or not it's worth it based on the outcome? Like, 
based on the outcome yep like mm -hmm. even we you know like westeros is very results-minded but i think america is equally we are equally a results-minded culture in which we judge mm -hmm. whether or not a thing was the right thing to do based on whether or not it worked and by it worked means you won and if you mm -hmm. didn't win then it wasn't worth it and if you did win then like congratulations you were very smart very wise made the best possible choice but the loser mm -hmm. was always wrong and they shouldn't have done mm -hmm. it and it's like well i mean like exactly it's, that, it's, that, it's that it's it's like <laughs> we're back to the robert frost fan club it's <laughs> it's the road not taken right. yeah i completely agree mm -hmm. and i think that literature and media is the right place to mm -hmm. explore those concepts because it's hard to do it in real life right when there's real consequences yeah but i do it's easier yeah. to do with media and to like bring it back around i really i liked what you were saying about like part of what martin is doing is like that children always suffer the, their parents choices mm. um that's a big theme of a song of ice and fire the way that like the stark children are you know all responding to the traumas done to their parents and when you know Tyrion talks about like we are all puppets dancing on our parents strings like mm -hmm. um if you're familiar with biblical literature then there's the like you know the the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth have set on it are set on edge it's that idea of like the children suffer for the decisions of their parents especially when it comes to violence and conflict mm -hmm. um yeah and so this idea I mean, that, this, and that parallels the feudal feudalism yep yeah, so they yeah. so the idea that like after a tragedy, like the 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 one that survives to rule is like <laughs> deeply emotionally wounded is like yeah. What do you expect? What like what do you expect after all of this? Is like of course you're mm -hmm. gonna get a like a, a sad <laughs> a sad boy to put to be very yeah. like to be very kind of you know trite about it. But like yeah, of course, like of course that like you're gonna have children who are broken and damaged and emotionally physically like in a lot of other ways because like look what happened look what they survived like they're just lucky to be alive. and in, con in contrast you have someone like Jaharis and Alisan mm -hmm. who were the children were children during the war but because they were successfully protected mm -hmm. and shuttled you know shuttled away to storm's end and hidden yeah they they don't have that issue. Mm -hmm. So it's it's part, I think part of it too is like the exposure to yep. the trauma and the violence. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Uh -huh. I agree. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, what a what a lovely note to end on. <laughs> Generational yeah, um, trauma. Nice short episode that we just recorded. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every time, Gretchen, every time. Every time. <laughs> Did we pick what we're reading to next yes. time? Yes. Um, like... Oh, haha. -ha. The note at the bottom of this is wrong. Um, That's right. I believe I it is. Is it to the end or? No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it should yeah. be. Next time we're reading to the end of this chapter, which um, for all you book readers ends on page 273. With the, yeah, with the ominous it. line, but winter was coming. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. They did it. They said the words. Winter. Winter is coming. I'm Ned Stark. Uh, okay, guys, so let's do a little shout out to, so last time we shouted out the Philippines. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Um, I'm going to bring you back around to the, to the West. We're going back to Westeros. Um, we have a whole cluster of downloads around Toronto, Canada, which, um, 
I know we have a friend who lives in Canada, but I'm not sure if she's in Toronto or not. I think so. I was I was going to make a joke of like, Julia, you just like wandering around <laughs> Julia, downloading episodes. You. We love you. Please, please do it. Please do, do it on multiple devices. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, Toronto mm-hmm. area and Canada. I hope you guys are enjoying uh, the podcast and our our musings uh, and everything like that. And it's, again, really cool that we've got people around the world listening in. Yeah. Uh, I like that. So I like email... that you picked a con- like a, a country in the north, as we're you know we're finishing this chapter. As we we you oh, know yeah. we went on like progress to the north. north. We're going north. We're on a northern progress, Gretchen. Um, that's what we're oh, doing. and I just realized the last episodes when you shouted out the Philippines, that's west. So we were going west, <gasps> just we like did it. Oh, that was definitely intentional. <laughs> definitely not just random happenstances. <laughs> Everything is in life is intentional, right? We, we mm-hmm. it's our choices that determine our future. Look, Caroline, it just anyway. it's just so deep in your brain that you cannot help but make choices that align with our podcast. This is true. <laughs> that we are definitely a podcast. That's <laughs> we are as a we podcast. decided we are a podcast. Uh, anyone wants to email us, our email is house of fire and blood podcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. And our Instagram is house of fire and blood podcast, all one word on Instagram. Um, and it's time to sign off. You ready, Gretchen? Yeah. Until next time, remember, don't begrudge your neighbor three pretty stones so long as there's not a whisper of chickens. Um, and then for those of you, you're not going to be able to see this, but I will tell you, there's a bunch of random letters and numbers afterwards, and that is because my cat sat on my keyboard. <laughs> I was wondering. I'm like, what is that? It's like R55555. <laughs> yep. Um, that's because last when I was working on my notes, um, I, I have this little glass cover that I put over my laptop keyboard because my cat likes to sit on my keyboard mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because she knows that I sit at my desk. This is a way that she is screaming for my attention. Yeah. So I had to put I have this thing that I put over my keyboard and I forgot to put my glass cover over my keyboard when mm-hmm. I left. And so I came back and she had um, apparently sat down on the number five key as well as a few others <laughs> and then actually my computer restarted so she she hit the right keystroke to also restart my computer after she left this wow lovely note in our notes <laughs> so i left it there caroline for your enjoyment i love that you left it there anna was that's here fantastic my cat was here so that's anna my sign from the local cattery anna the queen from the local cattery mm-hmm. um all right and in a similar vein to gretchen's sign off uh Remember, if you're going to speak about chickens, you have to whisper about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only whispering. Only whispering. Don't let your hairs hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, great. Thanks so much, guys, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. recording we are I just, recording i love that whole scene Seems the great. whisper of chickens that the whole debate the debate between sept and barth and the yeah. sea lord of bravos makes me very happy it is fantastic we'd love to see it all right okay your turn it is my turn what do i say where we are a podcast hello we are a podcast hello we are a podcast hello we are definitely definitely podcasts I promise we're a podcast. Mm-hmm. Please listen. Whatever else we are, we are definitely a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really professional stuff over here. All right.